0: Welcome to Conversations with Owens Community College President, Dr. Dion D. Somerville. Welcome to the 12th episode of the Conversations podcast. I'm Dr. Dion D. Somerville. Thank you for listening. Whether you're a new listener or a seasoned fan, we are so happy that you're joining us as we explore the issues and meet the people who are important to Northwest Ohio and to Owens Community College. Please take a moment to explore our previous episodes and be sure to subscribe to Conversations so that you can join us for future episodes. Today, I am excited to welcome Ann Ebert, CEO and President of Cherry Street Mission Ministries. We have a long history of collaboration with Cherry Street and we're excited to have Ann with us today. Ann Ebert began her career with Cherry Street Mission Ministries in 2015 as Executive Assistant to the CEO. She worked her way up to President in 2019 and then CEO and President in 2020. Prior to Cherry Street, Ann spent more than nine years in the ministry, working with Hope United Methodist Church in White House, Ohio. She also spent several years in sales and training with Invisible Fence in Sylvania. Ann started her career in healthcare administration with Communicare Health Services in Cincinnati after graduating with a bachelor's in management and gerontology. Anne is a great partner of Owens Community College, and we're so grateful that she agreed to join us for a conversation. Hello, Anne, and thank you for being our guest today. Well, good afternoon. Thank you so much for being with us, And You're I so am welcome. so thrilled that you are here on the Conversations podcast. I oh, mean, my goodness. Thanks. A big part of what we've been doing is trying to talk to people and have conversations with people. We have partnerships and relationships that really talk about our collective impact. And your work at Cherry Street Mission Ministries is a huge part of that. But we're an educational institution, and one of the things that we always like to talk about is when did you know, how did you know, when did you decide that you needed education beyond 12th grade?
1: Oh my goodness. In the family I grew up in, education is um, expected and is the norm. And so I think from the womb on, (laughs) there was an expectation that 12th grade is just the launching point into what the next step is in your life. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm not sure I ever considered not going on to future education. I'm really uh, blessed with a family who thinks that's very important and many, many teachers inside mm-hmm. our family. And my sister has her PhD and is a professor today. So
0: mm-hmm. education is part of uh, what we do. You studied aging. Gerontology, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so, how did all of that kind of help make you who you are, and how did that impact your career?
1: So, uh, I went away to school to Miami University, and I have a business degree and a gerontology minor, mm-hmm. and uh, really went into that field to run long-term care centers or to be involved in healthcare mm-hmm. in some way. I grew up in a family where my sister and I were the only children, mm-hmm. and we were surrounded by elders. Mm -hmm. And so that was such an important part of my growing up years Mm -hmm. that it felt very normal and natural to want to care for people who were, for a lot of society, are kind of forgotten. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like it was part of what I was called to do as an adult. And so that's how that unusual mix of degrees got put together. And so that's what I did straight out of college. I ran nursing homes. And the last facility I ran was nothing but rehabilitation. So we uh, rehabilitated folks post-surgery. And then we had an entire floor of traumatic brain injury patients. Oh, wow. Um, So very high-level care. And uh, so it was very informative to me, very Mm -hmm. much led me to understand that not everybody has the same access Mm -hmm. to healthcare as everyone else, Mm -hmm. and probably set me up for my current job Mm -hmm. more than
0: anything else. So the traumatic. Brain injuries mm-hmm. Was that only of a certain age, or did was that the entire gamut?
1: It was the entire gamut as long as you were an adult. So okay. 18 and above, um, the vast majority of people that were in that unit mm-hmm. were young men mm-hmm. who were injured on motorcycles. Now, there were some folks that were not that, but Mm -hmm. the vast majority of people were um, motorcycle injuries. So I have a very strong opinion about motorcycles today. I can imagine. imagine. (laughs) And it's rarely um, the motorcyclist's fault. Mm -hmm. Many times people are involved in crashes that people just didn't see them. Um, But they're the one who pay the price. Absolutely. That
0: is amazing. Yeah, for sure. One of the things you mentioned when you talked about why you picked your major and minor. Mm-hmm. You said people who are sometimes forgotten in our society. Oh yeah. Yeah, you, know, you talked about running a healthcare facility and mm-hmm. long term care and how How has all of that, I mean, it seems like there's your background, your training, your ethic of care, your own beliefs and values. Absolutely. How does that roll into what you do now at Cherry Street Mission Ministries?
1: What I get the opportunity to do Mm -hmm. as far
0: as caring for people who are
1: experiencing homelessness and poverty is just a bigger umbrella of what I used to do in caring for people who needed health care. Folks in poverty frequently do not have access to the same opportunities that I had growing up. And so opening the door to that access is part of what creates a person's aspirations. Mm-hmm. Um, if I feel like I continue to run into a wall that never has an opening in it, I really lose my motivation To move forward. At Cherry Street, we want to be able to open all the doors. All the doors are open to everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So I shouldn't have to pay my way through the door or rely on my social network to make my way through the door or a certain socioeconomic background. The door should still be open. To mm-hmm. me, and so that's what we really believe our job is at Cherry Street is to open doors and to provide access points to all of the opportunities that people need in their adult life to be healthy and whole and functional in society as an independent person. And so that's one of the fun things that we get to do with Owens is open doors to education right there at the uh, mission and let people get connected to education that they never thought in their entire life that was possible right and have a dream all of a sudden that oh i could have something that nobody else in my family has ever mm-hmm. done you know get a certificate to become a welder have a job that earns more than you know subsistence living mm-hmm. enter into housing where it's not subsidized and so all those access points create a opportunity for a person to have aspirations mm-hmm. And once somebody has hope, you can't stop them. Absolutely. You know, it's one of those things that once you know that you know, once you've seen the thing, right, the mm-hmm. little little spark of hope, you can't ever unsee it. Mm-hmm. Now you know, right? Now you know that you have the, the possibility inside you to move forward. And so I that's really fun. See. That's a fun place to be at, at oh, Cherry Street, imagine. where you get to light those fires all the time for mm-hmm. people.
0: That has to be some of the most rewarding work. And so talk to us a little bit about Cherry Street Mission Ministries isn't just one dimension. Correct. There's a full suite and slate of services Mm -hmm. and things that you do to provide holistic care so that someone can have that hope. And so can you talk a little bit about what all do you do? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's uh, I think for a lot of people, who have been around Toledo for a long time, the general thought is Cherry Street provides a safe bed and a hot meal. And that's all we do. That is just the scratching the surface Mm -hmm. (laughs) of what goes on at the mission today. So if you think about a funnel, the top of the funnel is where 100% of the people that we care for come in, right? Mm -hmm. The big open end of the funnel. And that is what we call emergency services. That is usually led with somebody showing up at the front door, either at the life revitalization center um, or at one of the shelters. And the conversation sounds like, I just need a bed. I just need a meal. I just need a job. Right. And the conversation from the guest, that's what we call our clients or guests. Mm -hmm. The conversation from the guest is they just want to solve their momentary need. Mm -hmm. What a bed and a meal does for Cherry Street as far as operationally is just start a much longer conversation. Mm -hmm. So yes, welcome. Welcome to Cherry Street. We can certainly get you a bed or a meal. And then as the person receives those first level basic services, it's our job to stand beside that individual in conversation, to eat a meal with them, to talk with them as they're checking in for the evening and develop a relationship that allows us to ask the next question. Mm -hmm. And the next question is always, why Cherry Street? Mm -hmm. What makes you need a meal here instead of a meal at your own apartment? Mm-hmm. Um, why a bed here versus in your own home? Um, and that next question is how we are able to start the longer relationship of getting better. Mm-hmm. So yes, I just need a, cause that is, is really Maslow's hierarchy, right? Mm-hmm. We need to get shelter and food and all that kind of thing taken care of before we can think higher thoughts. Once we have those baseline needs taken care of, mm-hmm. all of us can start thinking bigger thoughts about what is the next step. Mm -hmm. And so um, emergency services is where those conversations start. The next step uh, down the funnel for some people Mm -hmm. is called high acuity. High acuity is for people who have extremely high physical and or mental health needs. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people come into emergency services because they simply don't have the capacity to care for themselves in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have very severe persistent mental illness mm-hmm. and it's undiagnosed, untreated, but they're, they're not making great decisions for themselves. Or the individual, uh, for example, our oldest guest last year was 93 years old. She was escaping domestic violence perpetrated by her child. Oh. That she that's was heartbreaking. With. Yes, it is heartbreaking. Many of the stories that we have are heartbreaking mm-hmm. stories that bring people to us. She didn't need to go into a workforce development program. <laughs> she, she needed assisted living or senior care living. Mm-hmm. And so our high acuity track allows people who need a much higher level of care mm-hmm. to be exited to the appropriate setting, Got which it. might be a group home or assisted living or senior care living or any one of those more institutionalized settings. right. So emergency services, high acuity, and anyone who's left after that Mm -hmm. moves into what we call Ready for Life. Mm -hmm. So that's our programs and services at Cherry Street. Ready for Life is getting somebody ready for a different kind of life than Mm -hmm. what they've been having. Because everybody has a life, but it's not really working out so well so far for Mm -hmm. them. Uh, That's why they're at Cherry Street. So Ready for Life is a program that focuses on three main outputs. Reliable income, safe and affordable housing, Mm -hmm. and then healthy relationships. So healthy uh, relationships is what uh, Cherry Street does in the most basic way. Mm -hmm. We create a temporary healthy relationship for the individual Mm -hmm. because clearly we don't want people to live at Cherry Street forever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's temporary. And then we help link them to reunite them with their family, reunite mm-hmm. them with their kids, um, help understand what a healthy friendship looks like, right. um, have a relationship with a primary care physician, with a banker, with, you know, all of those care providers that you think about in your own life, your dentist, those, those people. Mm-hmm. Reliable income mm-hmm. is provided in all sorts of different ways, but particularly for Owens Community College. That's our workforce development
0: Mm tracks.
1: So for individuals going through our Ready for Life program, part of the individuals in that program will go and peel off and become educated Mm -hmm. through all of the different certificate programs that we have, like welding and the tool and die making and the auto tech program and all of those things uh, create a, a sustainable income for a person. For other people, they might need a job, uh, meaning, you know, not necessarily career track like those certificate programs, because they also qualify for uh, governmental income. Mm-hmm. We have a large number of veterans that come through, and okay. so they may qualify for disability. Or uh, our elders who come through, um, it is not unusual for us to have about a third of our population at any given time 55 and older. That doesn't mean you can't get a certificate, but it also means your ability to stay in a career track is much shorter right, <laughs> in length absolutely. of time than, yeah. <laughs> so um, we're just looking for reliable income because you can't subsist in society without reliable income. Absolutely. And then Safe and Affordable Housing, we partner, just like we partner with Owens for certificate classes, we partner mm-hmm. with people like LMH in town or um, with some private landlords or with the Homelessness Board to make sure that people can exit shelter into a great apartment situation, mm-hmm. which might also be a next step for them until they can get to their own home or right. that kind of thing. So those three outputs create the community sustainability outcome that we're looking for for everybody. Without those three legs, you know, you can get out to an apartment, but if you don't have an income... You can't stay you can't there. You stay there, right? right. If you don't health, have healthy relationships, if you start going off the track, you don't have anybody to kind of circle around you and mm-hmm. create good boundaries for your life. Right. So we think those three legs are what creates sustainability.
0: Wow, that's pretty amazing when you think about how you're looking at it truly from a comprehensive perspective and, you know, the economic development piece. that mm-hmm. That's only going to be a portion of the guests who are at Cherry right. Street. But I know that that's something that we connect on because you look at Cherry Street, you look at Owens, we're about helping people transform their lives. Yeah, exactly. We just go about it in different ways and there's a part where we dovetail and we yep. have this great partnership. And so can you talk a little bit about economic development at Cherry Street because we're not the only partner you have. We're thrilled of our partnership, <laughs> yeah. but, but we know that there's more. Oh, sure. So
1: you're talking about how we dovetail. I really think about our partnerships at Cherry Street, like the hub of a wheel. Mm -hmm. And then from the hub of the wheel, there are spokes like a bicycle tire Mm -hmm. that go out to the tire, which is the community Mm -hmm. at Cherry Street, because we're the entrance door for most people, you know, Mm -hmm. we're we're the hub. But we don't actually provide many of the services at all. Right. Our partners provide most of the services. We provide the care and the person centeredness of what's going on there the meal, the bed, the relationship. But when you think about what's needed for most individuals or most guests at Cherry Street, and last year, just to give you a, a sense of scope. Uh, We served 1,754 unique individuals in 2022. So close to 2,000 people came through our doors and Mm -hmm. received some kind of Programming. So if we're the hub and everyone else are the spokes to get to the community, we're looking at things like Owens Community College providing workforce development certificates. We also partner with Northwest State Community College. Mm-hmm. We also partner with employers that come along on Find a Job Friday.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Find a Job Friday is an open room uh, interviewing process where guests can just pick up a job. Uh, We also partner with groups like Ren Hill, which is a temporary services provider. Mm -hmm. All of that effort is to get people out into the community and employed or re-employed or get their skills tuned up so that their employment is beyond subsistence living Mm -hmm. and is a livable wage. Our goal certainly is not to take somebody from poverty and put them back into working poverty. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Escape poverty Mm -hmm. at the same time that we're working with them. But it's really hard to go into any kind of training or job if you don't have some of your health care needs taken care of first. Right. We work with uh, all of the major behavioral health companies. Three of them have actual services inside our life revitalization center. Wonderful. Unison has a clinic. Uh, we do ambulatory detoxification. We have psychiatric services. They have mm-hmm. case management, counselors, right? down the hall from our cafe. Mm -hmm. So anybody who needs those type of services, we also work with a Renewed Mind and with Harbor Behavioral Health and SEF Center, kind of the big guys in town, Mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that anyone who needs behavioral health care can receive it. Approximately 80% of the individuals who are experiencing homelessness have a coexisting behavioral health diagnosis. And we could probably spend the rest of our time together talking about why that is so in the United <laughs> States. <laughs> However, <laughs> um, the fact of the matter is um, the homelessness providers in our United States are uh, really one of the answers that we have currently for caring for people who have long-term mental illness Mm. um, and few resources.
0: Mental health has received a lot more attention Mm -hmm. in the last few years than it has previously. And I think that it's becoming more and more known how it has reared itself in people's lives and what it does. And so have you seen an increased focus Mm -hmm. in terms of the work that you do for your guests?
1: Definitely. You know, I think and I hope uh, that... Talking about mental illness is losing its stigma. Mm -hmm. You know, if we treated, let's say, cardiac care Mm -hmm. or diabetes care, like we treat somebody who has a mental illness scenario, there'd be people that would be in jail for neglect, but we think it's okay, or it's somehow a character flaw if someone's struggling through mental illness, Mm -hmm. instead of saying, oh, yeah, you have chemicals off in your body, just like somebody who has diabetes has chemicals off in their body. And so I think it's losing that stigma because there's becoming more and more scientific um, proof in the pudding, so to speak. The other component, if I can say this without Mm -hmm. anyone throwing tomatoes at me, (laughs) I think the pandemic actually has helped us have this conversation. Right. Right. So because so many people who uh, may not have identified in themselves before being isolated for multiple Mm -hmm. years, a tendency towards anxiety or a tendency towards depression or that kind of thing, now more people are just willing to step up and say, you know, this is a problem. And because of that generalized awareness, I think it just has brought a much richer conversation to the table.
0: It really has. In many ways, I really hope that the lessons that we learned or the insights that we've gained during the worst parts of the pandemic are ones we don't lose. I agree. Because I think that there's a lot that we discovered about ourselves individually and as a society.
1: Absolutely. Because we're the safety net Mm -hmm. catch, right? Um, What we have seen in the last nine months is a higher census or a higher number of people using our services than we have seen in the last decade. Really? So we were maxed out in people in the two shelters, our women's shelter and our men's shelter, by August this year. And so we don't usually see those those kind of numbers until midwinter where it's just bitter cold. right? And people may be coming in from insufficient housing, but they still had housing. Not this year. And um, the way we know, this is a funny anecdotal reality. Most people who are experiencing homelessness have this chronicity to them where it's chronic in their lives. Mm-hmm. And they probably grew up homeless or partially homeless in their childhood. They come to us on foot with a duffel bag. Today... Uh, Many of our new guests come in a car with an entire car full of belongings. That's a different type of individual. We can definitely point directly back to what happened during the COVID pandemic to the situation that they're experiencing today. We definitely believe that that is um, largely mental health related. Mm -hmm. People who were clinging on just couldn't cling on anymore. It just is an interesting reality.
0: Uh, We have parking lots full of cars now. Yeah,
1: That was never a thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's amazing, though, when you talk about the need to adapt and to mm. continue to evolve as the need of your guests and potential guests evolves. That, Absolutely. That's hugely important for you.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, being an institution in Toledo for 75 years, I think that's part of our culture
0: mm-hmm. as
1: a mission is that because we're faith-based, we believe that we're called out to do this. Uh, Mm -hmm. for the people of Toledo and the Toledo region Mm -hmm. and so we are just going to flex and pivot and grow and shrink Mm -hmm. when the community has that need and so right now we have a growing need Mm -hmm. Um, at some point it is certainly our hope that we'll see a shrinking need
0: absolutely and
1: so then we will readapt to that as well
0: you had mentioned previously the large number of your guests who are military affiliated. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we know about our student population as well as nationally that, you know, at any given time there are a number of college students yeah. who are also homeless. And as you've been talking about, one of the things that Cherry Street does really well is offer kind of those holistic comprehensive services mm-hmm. to help people get through to another part of their life. And so what insight can you offer on how to address those holistic needs?
1: I think one of the thoughts that I have is that when a person doesn't have their baseline stability Mm -hmm. under control... They don't know where they're going to sleep tonight. Or um, they're sleeping in multiple places, right? I can sleep two days at my mom's and two days at my aunt's and Mm -hmm. two days at my friend's. Their life looks like 12-hour intervals, right? right? I'm trying to figure out the next 12 hours and the next 12 hours. It's very difficult for that individual to engage in any thought other than the momentary crisis. Right, right. And so when you're talking about college students and a high percentage of those individuals, it's going to be very difficult for that person to have the stability in their life that they need to really excel and move through their advanced education Mm -hmm. without trauma. Right. Because that's really what they're living in is this ongoing Uh, A lot of people call it a small T trauma Mm -hmm. in their life where they're just kind of scrambling from one thing to the next thing. And so for our college students, I think, my gosh, that's the next generation coming up, right? Those are the folks that I want to hire. Or as I age, those are the folks I want to take care of me. (laughs) (laughs) And so thinking about what it means to care for an individual who has enough aspirational motivation Mm -hmm. to try to get the next step in their education Mm -hmm. so that they can move into a career-oriented job. I think how wonderful would it be to think about what support systems that we could put in place to help them achieve their dreams. The other thing I think about is, we've had some conversations with the folks at Toledo Public Schools about this as well, is what does two-generation education look like? Mm -hmm. So that when a younger person, let's say the person is just coming out of high school and coming into community college, that's who I envision many of your students are. How do we come alongside them and their parent, or their caretaker, and help them move through the education pipeline together, mm-hmm. because that individual can only be motivated and cared for to a certain degree from the educational provider. And if they go to a family life that doesn't have the same aspirational mm-hmm. desires, they're going to hit a brick wall. Right. So when you're talking about the, your students, I think, well, how interesting would it be to care for the student and care for the parent and move them together. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Really generational change in that situation. And I think the same thing for our guests that come into Cherry Street. 22% of the individuals that use our services Mm -hmm. never live with us. They live in the community, they live with their mom, they live somewhere else, but they're coming in to gain access to the welding class. Absolutely. Right. Well, while they're coming in to gain access to the welding class, could we capture whoever their closest family member Mm -hmm. is at the same time to Mm -hmm. offer them Something as well. Or the conversation we're having with Toledo Public School is as their students are getting ready to graduate, how do we get that parent, even though the student is going through public school system, how do we get their parent into the certificate classes at Cherry Street? So that as they move on and move forward, they kind of have support with each other Mm
0: -hmm. instead of the student running into that kind of brick wall at home. So at Hope Toledo has a similar model mm-hmm. where they're looking at that the generational education. And so I'm really interested to see where it goes because there's a lot of things that go into an individual circumstances, yep. right? It's never one thing. And they're already on an educational path but also if they can have this support from a family member from a a different place of understanding, right? Mm -hmm. Um, To be able to move forward. I'm really interested to see where that goes as a movement because you you see more and more of that happening locally as well as nationally.
1: Absolutely. And so when you think about creative things that we can do together, and we were talking about Cherry Street as the hub and then all the spokes of the wheel, whether it's the educators or whether it's the healthcare providers, whether it's the employers Mm -hmm. of folks, Or the social services that provide housing, all of those are required to meet the individual where they're at to give them the opportunity to move to someplace new. Right, And so I think about that for your students, right? Mm-hmm. So I think 17% is what you said of college students mm-hmm. facing homelessness. How can we think about them, not just as people who consume classes, mm-hmm. but as individuals who have this complex life, just like mm-hmm. all of us have a complex life, and without solving or giving them an opportunity to kind of meet their needs and their complexity It's going to be really hard
0: for them to finish up their education. The statistic was 17% nationally of community college students are homeless. But I think through other types of institutions where I've worked as well as in community colleges, it's interesting because they don't necessarily say I'm homeless. Uh They say I'm couch surfing. Correct. Or I'm crashing at someone's place Mm -hmm. or something along those lines when it's indeed the same kind of financial Mm -hmm. instability that they're experiencing Absolutely. housing yeah.
1: insufficiency. Mm-hmm. One of the phrases we always look for people to say is "where I'm staying" mm-hmm. instead of "where I'm living." Yes, right. So, where I'm staying tonight is completely different than than claiming an address. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So,
1: I'm staying with my aunt tonight, and then I'm going to stay with my friend the next night, and then I'm going to stay in my car the following night, and then mm-hmm. I'm going to stay back with my aunt. Right. And so that very inconsistent life, I give them kudos for even trying to take a class Absolutely. and figure out how you're going to do homework and where you're going to plug your laptop in and, mm-hmm. and all of those things, let mm-hmm. alone where you're going to wash your clothes right. and the more basic needs that every human has.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that's what what, gives it, what makes it so inspiring. Mm-hmm. Because when you see someone in those kind of circumstances and then in the end they go on to do whatever it is yeah. they're meant to do in Absolutely. their life. Um, it's just nothing short of awe inspiring.
1: Absolutely. You know,
0: and to, to think that our organizations can be part of that, launching someone into that trajectory is just an awesome feeling. Yeah,
1: it mm-hmm. is. And and you'd said earlier, you know, what a what a great job to have in in, to watch people succeed out of all the circumstances that could have happened Mm -hmm. moving through that uh, funnel at Cherry Street and going all the way through the Ready for Life program and exiting with a graduation from that as well as housing and a job and people who love them and care for them and a faith community and an employer who's looking for them to show up every day Mm -hmm. that is the win Mm -hmm. that is the win just today earlier I actually was able to sit down with an individual and interview them for a board member position. Mm -hmm. And our board is filled with wonderful, professional, high-level individuals. And this person is one of those. Also, she spent time at our sparrow's nest. So she is an individual who has come through our programming. Now, that was 15 years ago.
0: Yeah, but still...
1: Right. And that's the kind of success that you want to see is the when somebody comes through our front door again
0: Mm -hmm. after
1: they've graduated from ready for life. We want them to come through as a whole and healthy individual, Mm -hmm. right, as a volunteer, like a board member or as a donor and Mm -hmm. writing a check to support other people and Mm -hmm. for the individuals who paid it forward for them. And that is when you know, yes, it works. They're not coming back through as a homeless person.
0: Mm-hmm. They're exactly. coming back
1: through as somebody who can say, I've succeeded. Mm-hmm. Now, what is Sparrows Nest? Sparrows Nest is our women's facility. So a lot of people hear Sparrows Nest in the community and never put it together with Cherry Street. Um, but it is our women's shelter. Okay. Um, there are 71 beds available mm-hmm. for women there. We usually run at about mm, 80% full, exact same program as the men receive everything mm-hmm. so mm-hmm.
0: that's what the sparrows nest is and what a great success story yeah, yeah. exactly right. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so a little bit about you i remember when i started at Owens mm-hmm. a year and a half ago, you were one of the first community leaders that reached out to me to welcome me to the community and to talk about our partnership and all the wonderful things we do together. Yeah. And one of the things I remember is that when you talked about how you started at Cherry Street, mm-hmm. you did not enter as the CEO. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so talk a little bit about your path. You know, one what attracted you to Cherry Street? Yeah. Why did you want to work there? Yep. Um, why Why are you still there? But You have an interesting path through the organization. Yeah,
1: I do. Um, Very. uh, It really fits the rest of my um, career path, frankly. (laughs) So I came to Cherry Street after 10 years of being a pastor in a local church. And uh, the longer I was in the local church, the more I felt discontent. That there wasn't more connection mm-hmm. to people who I think when when I read the uh, Christian scriptures that God calls us out to care for the lost and the least, mm-hmm. uh, those who are in bondage to poverty or who are sick and no one's caring for, who, you know, cl- kind of the concept of clothe the naked and feed the hungry. The longer I was in the pastoring role uh, of the church I was at, the more convinced I was that I think that was probably my next Mm -hmm. step. Before that, I had been in long-term care, Mm -hmm. right? So I was very accustomed to doing 365-day-a-year, 24 hours a day um, care for people who were not able to care for themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, you know, it's one of God's funny ha-ha's in my life where you're like, oh, so those things go together. (laughs) Combine uh, everyday 24 hour a day, 24-hour-a-day care with the desire to care for people at, as a minister, and mm-hmm. you get Cherry Street. So that's how I um, got into Cherry Street. And um, even though I was very accustomed to running multimillion-dollar health care facilities, mm-hmm. my first entrance into Cherry Street was the assistant to the CEO. Mm-hmm. So I was his secretary, mm-hmm. which all of my friends and family— Looked at me like, "What are you doing? <laughs>
0: what
1: are you doing?" Well, first of all, they said you don't have any skills to do this job, <laughs> which was close to true. <laughs> I could I could learn, uh, and secondly, like this is not your next career step. You know, we thought you'd go to work at Owens Corning or you know those mm-hmm. those type of next steps and careers. And I was just very certain that the path that I was being led down was exactly where I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Not a single concern in the world, Mm -hmm. even though many others might've thought I had (laughs) (laughs) taken a sharp left turn out of reality. Um, So once I got in uh, and started working with my predecessor, who's Dan Rogers, quickly moved out of the role of assistant into project manager. Part of my uh, experience working in the long-term care industry, um, I spent many years doing capital improvement projects Mm -hmm. in facilities. And because we had just bought a almost 100-year-old Toledo Public School, (laughs) Mm -hmm. there was a lot of need for project management. So uh, again, just one of those setups, I think I could not have planned if I would have planned it, mm-hmm. um, I had that experience working with general contractors and large capital projects, and so I moved into that role for Cherry Street, and really supervised the first steps of revitalizing the revitalization center, mm-hmm. and working with general contractors, and and because we are a donation based facility, then we mm-hmm. also had to do a capital campaign and I was able to work with the fundraisers. And then when Dan transferred or transitioned out of his role, mm-hmm. um, I was invited to take that seat um, as the next CEO, um, which I initially said no to.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I,
1: I love project management. Mm-hmm. I love the inside nuts and bolts and operations. And I thought, I don't want to be the CEO I have to do podcasts.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, come on. You're having oh, a great time. I am on actually a having a great time. <laughs> little did I know I would uh, when I first took the role. But, you know, the idea of getting on TV and being the spokesperson, and I thought, well, that's that's 100% nothing that I've ever done. After a little bit of, you know, soulful searching and mm-hmm. conversations with my spouse and things like that, um, I'm really glad that I have the seat I have today. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, you, you were laughing that you're having fun. I, I really am actually having fun. <laughs> and the ability to be um, an ambassador for what is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, Cherry Street started out as a soup kitchen. And now I like to joke around that we do soup to nuts, right? Like literally whatever somebody needs in their life mm-hmm. to create their next step, we, we have access to that. And to be the ambassador for that in our community, to have the opportunity to talk with college presidents like yourself Mm -hmm. and the mayor and um, just people who have a heart for those who are suffering Mm -hmm. and link them all together. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Mm -hmm. It's fun to create the Venn diagram that Cherry Street is and that when we hit the sweet spot, when the guests can, you know, reside in that center of the circles, mm-hmm. boy, they can fly, mm-hmm. and they can exit, and they can be healthy. And I, I always say I know that we have been successful at Cherry Street when my next-door neighbor who moves in is a past Cherry Street guest. Isn't that something? Right, and that they are living life the fullest just Mm -hmm. like I am living life to the fullest and the only reason I know them is because I knew them back then (laughs) right and nobody would ever guess anything different
0: but that's that is wonderful that has to be one of the most fulfilling oh gosh yeah yes Yes. oh gosh yeah
1: it is really remarkable Mm -hmm. um, that people who without the presence of Cherry Street and that's not the presence of me. I just get to sit in this mm-hmm. seat for the moment. Mm-hmm. We've been here 75 years. We'll be here 75 years from now mm-hmm. if we are needed. But for the moment, to sit in the seat, to be able to see hundreds and hundreds of people find a path to health, to find a path to purpose, to recognize their own identity
0: mm-hmm.
1: as loved, for, first of all, and as um, skilled and gifted, mm-hmm. second, and they're worth
0: having dreams for. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. You have so many different people, you know, with whom you interact. Yeah, you know, you have your guests, you have public officials, you have social service people, you have a board. All of those people who, you know, different walks of life who are your stakeholders, and mm-hmm. you're responsive to each of them, and you work with each of them. You have all these different constituencies. There has to be an enormous amount of energy required to thrive in that kind of environment. But it's something that you seem to do very flawlessly. And so talk to me about that and what motivates you for that and what has made you successful in doing that?
1: Well, first of all, thank you for nobody's Mm -hmm. ever said I'm flawless. (laughs) 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 Um, No, that's delightful. And I appreciate uh, that on the exterior, I must be calm um there are not there are some days where in the interior i'm not as calm as maybe i appear mm-hmm. um but i really believe my own personal uh, core values are what um drive all of the things that mm-hmm. i do and i i hope that that's what drives the general purpose of cherry street yes there are a hundred different people on any given day who want to have a conversation, give an opinion, direct the show, however you want to put that. My daily prayer is that I simply please an audience of one. I try to always simply follow my faith. Mm -hmm. And Cherry Street is a a ministry. We don't make any bones about that. Uh, So for me, why I am so ecstatic to be the CEO is because I believe this is what the kingdom looks like, is giving everybody the opportunity to be successful. And as long as I'm following my core value Mm -hmm. of following God first, Mm -hmm. then everyone else's opinion. And I say that with, you know, the understanding that everyone does have an opinion and mm-hmm. sometimes they go against one another and all sorts of things, but everyone else's opinion does come second. And so it takes a lot of the stress out of the situation. Mm-hmm. If we're following our core values at Cherry Street and our core values are very well spelled out for us, um, our staff, and the first one is Christ-centered. The second is relational, right? Always build relationship before you decide before you have to prove you're right. We're always innovative. We're willing to do things that other people are not willing to creatively figure out. Solution-oriented, we believe that solutions are always available, right? God is an abundant God, and so the answer's out there. We just Mm got to dig around and find it. Mm -hmm. And then gritty. We really are a gritty institution where you can't be too offended if someone comes in kind of a train wreck on the surface. We don't expect anybody to come in any less than that, or any more than that. I guess it's the opposite, right? And so we're willing to walk along beside people through the mess of their life. Mm -hmm. And I love that about Cherry Street, Mm -hmm. and I love that about the heart of the staff that work there, Mm -hmm. um, because I think it spills over into their real life, Mm -hmm. not just their work life. We're all messy
0: people. Yeah, There's, there's not perfection to be found, but to be able to work with people to get them to where they have that self-actualization and they can oh, yes. find opportunity, yeah. regardless of what that opportunity looks like. It's yeah. incredibly meaningful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that, back to your question, you know, how do you how do you measure or weigh all the different voices? I really just look to one and then try to make that be the center of any cascading decisions. In my mind, I think of it like a pebble dropped in a still pool. Right there's only one decision I have to make, and that's to follow God. Every other decision just ripples out from that, and it makes it real simple for a simple-minded person like me.
0: <laughs> Straightforward. Straightforward. There you go. Straightforward. So a very different question. Yeah. I have it on good authority that you used to be a dog trainer. <laughs> that is a true statement. <laughs> Somehow you left that out between being a pastor and yeah. um, you know long-term care yeah. facility. When were you a dog trainer? Tell me about this. and
1: yeah, I it was the f- most fun job I've ever had <laughs> by far, because who gets dog trainers? People with puppies. Mm-hmm. So you run around and play with people's puppies. How can you not like that for a job? <laughs> um yeah, so between my um, years in long term care, and becoming a full-time on-staff pastor, mm-hmm. I was a dog trainer. I worked for the Invisible Fence Company and um, went around and worked with the folks who bought invisible fences for mm-hmm. their puppies and trained the individual. You train the owner. Mm-hmm. How to you train the puppy? <laughs> yeah. Because dog training, surprisingly, is not very much about the dog at all.
0: <laughs> it's definitely it's, about the it's person. It's people. It's yeah. the people training. <laughs> and so
1: um, during the years, I was kind of taking some training to be in ministry and that kind of thing. It's what I did to earn a buck. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. it was something I very much enjoyed. Um, and surprisingly, it has a lot of carryover mm-hmm. into dealing with people. Mm-hmm. Um, as I always tell people, right? Um, behavior modification only happens through reward. Punishment only stops behavior, it does mm-hmm. not alter it for the long haul. So, when you give your Labrador Retriever a cookie, a cookie, a cookie, a cookie, you know, when they sit, mm-hmm. that's what trains them to sit when you say sit, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you give them a leash correction for jumping up on you, it does not train them to sit instead of jump. It Mm -hmm. just stops them from jumping at that moment. If you take that same principle and apply that to people, Mm -hmm. like human resources, for example, running an organization full of staff members, that really makes sense. Mm -hmm. How do you want your individuals to behave and believe? You reward the positive, catch the good, so to speak, and you only punish when the behavior will actually harm someone, mm-hmm. right? And know that 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 punishment or that discipline doesn't actually change their behavior. Mm-hmm. It just stops it for the moment. As surprising as it sounds, dog training actually did teach me an awful lot about effective management. So we do not give out any milk bones, though. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so my husband and I do not have any children. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do have dogs. Mm -hmm. And so we have one dog right now, and he is the most spoiled thing ever. And I always tell people, please do not judge me on my ability to train dogs on this particular dog. (laughs) Because he is quite a stinker.
0: (laughs) I always say I want to come back as someone's pet because. (laughs) Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. And we love our fur babies. Oh, we do. We do. Yeah, mine is only 20 pounds, and which is why he gets away with murder,
1: Mm -hmm. I think. (laughs) It's just too darn cute. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. I think the most important thing for people to know about Cherry Street is that we really believe in people. Mm -hmm. Anyone, literally anyone can come through our front door Mm -hmm. and be welcomed as a guest in our home. And receive hospitality and a meal. And the question to any grown adult, which which you would want to be asked of yourself, is where would you like to go next? Mm -hmm. And it's through that sense of relationship and sense of really believing that people can participate in their own life Mm -hmm. that drives us to provide the opportunities that we do for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so I think that people-centeredness is really what we would love for Cherry Street to be known for.
0: That is wonderful. Well, and we're proud to be a partner with you as you continue on this people-centeredness and helping people really find opportunities to where they can really have a different life than what they're currently in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I know that
0: we will continue to partner. There's lots lots of fun future things coming up. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, thank you. I'm thrilled that we were able to do this. Anne, thank you so much for being with us. Every time we talk, I'm struck by your incredible commitment to our community. We're so grateful for your partnership and we thank you for your time today. And thank you to all of our listeners. Please remember to subscribe and join us for future episodes. Next time, we have a special episode planned. We will celebrate the one-year anniversary of the Conversations podcast with a compilation of highlights from the 12 podcasts we've recorded so far. And we will provide you with a behind-the-scenes look at how the podcast comes together each month. It's an episode I'm excited to share with all of you. Until then, take care.